Big, big thanks to FreshBooks, the super easy to use cloud accounting software. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to our listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash invest and enter invest like a boss in the how did you hear about us section. Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Hey guys, it's Johnny and welcome to episode 68 of the Invest Like a Boss podcast. Here's Sam Marks. Johnny, we are going to try to take a very boring subject, municipal bonds, dress it up, and make it as interesting as possible. Muni bonds? Come on, buddy. <laughs> Munis. Come yeah, on. we're not 68 years old. I know, I know, but there's something that is so attractive to them to me. And I think it's because I keep hearing all these really successful people talking about municipal bonds and hey, sometimes boring is sexy when it comes to making money. Yeah, you know what? You're right. And if I can get a guaranteed, you know, five percent and live off of that, instead of doing like a standard drawdown of let's say, you know, I have half a million dollars, I can mm-hmm. draw down four percent a year and have that theoretically last me for the next thirty years. If I can just make a guaranteed five percent, that means I never have to draw down at all. Yeah, exactly. And I know we've touched on this before with where municipal bonds would be in your portfolio. And I think you're you're against them. But I'm interested to get your opinion after this episode to see if anything has changed. Okay. Well, I'm excited about that. I, I think it'll be fun. And I heard that you plan on spicing this up, this episode up. <laughs> by Well, this... Yeah, go ahead. You're going to rent a limo and drive around Bangkok, Thailand... Well, you know, originally I was going to do this episode this week with the Art of FX guys, but it was short on notice and we wanted to put together some really good content for it. Uh, But I've been dying to do a municipal bond episode and I'm not spending much time in Bangkok anymore. And I I just feel like whenever we're in Bangkok, we got to do it big. We got to we got to do something interesting, right? Because that's where that's where really our first episode ever took place. Not yours or mine, but the first real episode on on the on the podcast with Art of Effects. So we're going to have to spice it up. And, you know, when it comes to bonds, it's boring. Let's face it. So we're going to get a limo. We're going to drive around. We're going to record live from the limo. There's going to be all types of noises going on. But we're going to have some fun and we're going to learn something for show. All right. Well, I wish I could be there with you guys. I'm sure it's going to be an insane kind of trip. So this is going to be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing the episode and then <laughs> recapping afterwards on what we're going to do. Yeah, for sure. And this is probably a good time to reemphasize for anyone that's new to the show. Johnny and I are not financial advisors. We don't pretend to be, but we do invest our own money at our own risk. So we don't recommend anyone taking our exact approach. Just learn with the episode, learn what we're learning and take your own strategy and apply it. But you can definitely learn from our mistakes. Feel free to do that. (laughs) Yes, sir. Okay. So we have on Michael Foster, who was back on the show in episode... 63. They call him the CF professor. Honestly, one of the smartest guys I've ever talked to in finance. He's done top to bottom, all types of hedge fund advisory. He's done analysis for really interesting aspects of the financial sector. He was on with Brett Owens in episode 63 talking about how to invest in CEFs, that's closed end funds. And we touched a little bit on municipal bonds in that episode, but he knows municipal bonds like nobody else knows them. No one better to talk to than the CF professor, Michael Foster. So we're going to bring him back on the show this week. All right. Enjoy the limo. Enjoy the show. And enjoy this episode. Hey, bosses. If you are self-employed like we are, and especially if you hate dealing with numbers, invoices, and reminders, you need to check out FreshBooks. They made my life so much easier by letting me set up reoccurring expenses and invoices that I can set up once and just forget about. You can set up automated late payment reminders as well. So next time somebody who owes you money doesn't pay, they automatically get a message so you don't have to chase them down or, worst off, forget to get paid. Seriously, if you're a small business owner or a freelancer, check out the service. It's super easy to use and it's free for the first month. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to our listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash invest and enter invest like a boss in the how did you hear about us section. Everybody, welcome back. Coming to you live from Bangkok. You know, whenever we're in Bangkok, we do a big episode. Last time it was with... 
the art of VFX guys, Brian and Tang, with Johnny and I, and they just happen to be here. But today we're not recording with Brian and Tang. We're going to do that in a couple weeks. I have back on Michael Foster, the CEF professor, and we're going to talk about municipal bonds. Hey, Sam. Nice to see you again. Good to see you too, buddy. So we're actually in a limo, so if you hear noise in the background or honking and horns and lots of craziness. People yelling and screaming. People yelling and screaming of all types. We're in Bangkok in a limo. And the funny thing about being in a limo in Bangkok is there actually are no limos in Bangkok. So I think we found the one limo, and I think in maybe three years, I've never seen a, a limo here. So we're crammed in here. We're having fun. we got a great group. And we thought, well, we just take this opportunity to have a fun episode and talk about maybe something that is a little bit less fun, municipal bonds. and We can make it fun. We can make it fun, and that's what we're going to do. So, Michael, good to have you back on the last episode. We were talking about CEFs. Lots of fun. Learned a ton. You and Brett Owens back on. And what do you think about municipal bonds? Are you, are you bored already or <laughs> like you excited to talk about it? So, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of people complain about investing and say that this is boring, that's boring. And, you know, my, my attitude is if I'm making money, I'm not bored. The most exciting thing you can possibly do is to make money, especially if you're doing it with relatively low effort. And that's one of the reasons why municipal bonds are quite powerful, quite interesting uh, investment instruments, because they are a way to get a much higher passive income stream than they first appear. Um, and it's also quite possible to invest in these in a way that really gets you access to very high quality fund management at a rather low price. So uh, there, there are a lot of good things about it. So after the CEF episode, I was dying to know more. So I came to Bangkok, met Michael, and was like, hey, I've heard so many rich people talk about investing in municipal bonds, and specifically through CEFs, which I didn't even know what CEF stood for until we did the episode. And after the episode, you gave me some suggestions on five good funds to get into. I immediately got into them, very happy, and looking to ramp that up. So you know, what are some of the reasons that the ultra-rich invest in municipal bonds? Is it as simple as just tax-free earnings? Um, yeah, the primary motivation for a lot of um, muni bond investors is that they're getting tax-free income. And um, I'd actually say that uh, the majority of the retail investors that use these uh, bonds tend to be older retirees um, with a relatively high net worth, but definitely not only millionaires. There are a lot of people who maybe have a net worth around a million, maybe a bit less. We're really looking to get a sustainable 4 to 5% income stream um, after tax that they can use to live on. Uh, that's really uh, both the good and the bad thing about muni bonds, and uh, I can get into that in a bit. One of the things about muni bonds is that uh, because they are targeted to this specific group, you find a lot of interesting dynamics in the market that individual investors can really take advantage of. So I got into these and I got into them for the tax-free income. And what I found really interesting is when we met last time in Bangkok, you immediately took a look at some of my other investments and gave me better advice than I think I've ever gotten from anybody Else, who's just looked at yeah, just looked at my investment portfolio, and you immediately go, "Oh, that doesn't make sense. You shouldn't be in that." And one of the those was one of my REIT investments that was paying like a four percent dividend because I'm I'm very heavy in REITs, and while REITs I think are an important part of my portfolio, when we were comparing like a REIT that may have pay, uh, yielded four percent, it just didn't make sense because I'm getting taxed on that as ordinary income versus a municipal bond fund which I can make five percent. And that's completely tax-free and doesn't move me up in, into the higher tax bracket. Right. So there are a couple of issues when it comes to uh, tax considerations with municipal bonds. Number one, um, not all, but the vast majority of municipal bonds are tax-free for Americans. And it depends on your individual situation. Any investor who's considering muni bonds uh, should closely read the prospectus and talk to a CPA uh, before actually making the investment. Uh, but besides that, as a general rule... It's true. Um, if you're a high net worth individual or if you're someone who's making six figures or more um, through income, it's quite likely that a municipal, uh, municipal bond fund is going to provide you a more tax advantage situation than you could get from another high yield investment. That's not true for everyone in all cases, but it's true for a lot of people in a lot of cases. And that's, again, one of the reasons why retirees love these funds so much. 
So you're a CEF expert. We already had you on to talk about closed-end funds. And what are some other ways that people can buy municipal bond funds outside of closed-end funds? So there are three main ways that people can buy muni bonds. Um, you can buy them directly. That is to buy the actual bond. Um, you can buy them through an index fund. Um, the ETF MUB is one of them. Uh, there are a number of mutual funds that also kind of index uh, muni bonds as well. And then the third way is to get it through an actively managed fund. Um, and those can be um, either mutual funds, CEFs, or some ETFs are actively managed. Now, I recommend um, CEFs is the best uh, way to buy them. And also, I'd say that actually buying an individual municipal bond is the worst way to get it. There are a lot of reasons why it's the worst way. The first reason has to do with access. People don't really realize when they think about muni bonds. It's not like common stocks where anyone can go on an exchange and buy a share of Apple at any time when the market's open. Muni bonds are a lot less liquid. There are some bonds that won't trade for months at a time. And so what happens is if you're an individual investor and you want to buy one of these bonds, you have to contact a broker who can find those bonds and sell them to you. Brokers privilege larger clients. So they're going to give the best quality bonds to the Black Rocks and Pimcos of the world, these massive, massive institutions that are managing literally trillions of dollars. So, you know, if you go to a, a broker and you want to buy a, um, some bonds and you've got 500000 you might feel like a big shot, but they're going to laugh at you. You know, that's just not enough money for it to be worth their while. Mm. So what happens is they're going to offer you the worst bonds. They're not going to give you the, the sort of creme de la creme, best quality bonds that are out there. That's the number one reason why I strongly recommend anyone. I mean, even if you're a billionaire, you're still not big enough to be worth it to these brokers. Interesting. So that that's the first reason. The second reason is that bonds are really, really complicated. I mean, people think that stocks are complicated, and they are, but bonds are a lot more complicated. So there are a lot of aspects of bonds that people don't look at. They don't look at bond covenants. They don't look at whether it's a revenue bond or a general obligation bond. They don't look at the default uh, call, uh, covenants or the callability of the bond. They don't look at pricing, whether it's priced at par, discount or premium and why. They don't look at the yield to worst calculations and see how the different yields to maturity to call to put and so on um, are um, at the current moment. They don't look at things like convexity. I mean, there are a lot of really, really complicated both quantitative and qualitative issues that you need to think about with any bond. And with municipal bonds, uh, this is something that is very easily masked. Mm -hmm. You have to read literally hundreds of pages of really boring legalese to understand this stuff. And most people just don't have the time or the inclination or the expertise to do so. Whereas you've got companies like PIMCO, uh, BlackRock, and the rest who have very, very well-trained, intelligent, well-educated experts in bonds who are looking at all of this stuff full-time. If you're buying an individual bond, you're competing with them in the market. You don't want to do that. You want them to work for you. And the way to do that is to get one of their funds. And that's uh, what you can get with the CEFs, and that's why I like them the most. So how does a CEF muni fund specifically operate? Are they, you kind of, I think, alluded to it, but let's just say PIMCO, for instance, one of their municipal bond funds, are they going out and actively buying new municipal bond issues, holding them to maturity, maybe trading them in the interim? How, how do they actually operate? How would a municipal CEF operate? Yeah, so the vast majority of the municipal bond CEFs are discretionary. So what they're going to do is they're going to buy either um, municipal bonds in the secondary market or new issues um, according to what they think is going to happen um, in the future macroeconomic outlook, as well as um, you know the particular value of that individual bond at that time and whether it's going to change as a result of a credit rating upgrade or downgrade. There are really literally hundreds of factors that they'll consider and they will do exactly that. They'll buy and sell um, these muni bonds all the time according to what they think is going to um, increase the net asset value of the fund mm -hmm. um, and what they think is best for investors. So in that sense, a CEF is really like any fund. It's just a pool of assets. You know, a bunch of investors pool all their cash together, yeah. and then the managers use that to buy a bunch of uh, municipal bonds. The powerful thing about the CEFs is that because they're actively managed, they can take advantage of um, any mispricings or inefficiencies in the market, as well as that deep access that the big PIMCO and BlackRock companies of the world have. 
I, I, I should also mention there are many other yeah. very high quality um, management companies. It's not just those two. They also focus on tax issues. So they're going to try to manage this portfolio in the most tax efficient way possible. Because it is possible to end up paying taxes on municipal bond sales uh, in particular. And the CEF is a unique kind of fund where they can structure these transactions in a way that's most tax efficient for individual investors. And that's something that an individual investor is going to be almost un entirely unable to replicate by themselves. Right. And how big do these municipal bond funds get? I think in the CEF episode, we we're saying like an average cap size could be 200, 500 million. Is that also the same for municipal bonds, uh, CEFs? Um, yeah, I'd say, I mean, I had a quick look, and it seems like they vary quite a bit. There are some that are you know, less than 100 million market cap to over 2 billion. I think about four to 500 million is typical for muni bond CEFs. It's important to keep in mind that muni bonds are the uh, most popular um, form of a closed-end fund. There are more muni bond CEFs than any other kind of fund. Um, so they're extremely popular. And then the individual fund is going to hold quite a lot of municipal bonds within the fund. And it does that to spread risk, diversify, gain access to a variety of different durations, um, callability risk. There are a lot of reasons. And so an individual fund could have anywhere from 100 to 300 muni bonds, which really gives you as an investor um, a lot of diversification and safety from downside. Nice. Can we turn some AC on in here? It's getting hot. It's Holy crap. It is Bangkok. God. So if uh, the audio is if an audio is now messed up a little bit more, forgive us, but we're dying. We're dying here. We're dying. It's not and uh, while we're at the AC, can I get a uh, fill up? Yeah, do you want rum or a beer? Uh, rum or, or whiskey? No, we got rum. No okay. Rum. Rum. Rum it is. All right. So that's okay. Here's the, here's the thing that I always get. Different opinions on if you talk to managers or you talk to my dad or you talk to just about anyone in finance. Everyone's talking about bonds and how they're going to react in a potentially what looks to be a rising interest environment. Is that, would a, let's say a closed-end fund, would a closed-end fund act the same as an actual bond Yeah, in, in terms of you know being affected by rising interest rates? Yeah, I'd say this particular question. I, I've gotten this question, uh, I think, the most over the last couple of years because we've been in this interest rate rising environment. Um, and it goes back to a concept called convexity. And basically what convexity is, is the measurement of how much a, an already issued bond is influenced by a change in interest rates. So convexity is essentially a measurement that there are some bonds that a one percent interest rate hike is going to influence their price by 10 percent. Some are going to, uh, you know, go down by maybe nine or eight percent. Mm -hmm. So that, that's the sort of technical term. And the basic idea is that, yes, all bonds are going to go down in value when interest rates go up. And the reason for that is that you're going to have new bonds in the market with a higher interest rate. So if I want to choose between a newer bond and a higher interest rate and an older bond with a lower interest rate, of course, I'm going to choose the one with the higher interest rate, which means the lower interest rate, older bond has lost value. Mm -hmm. um, so that is an issue for all bonds. And that's definitely something that uh, we've seen the market respond to. But here's the thing. There are two issues here. Number one, the convexity of muni bonds is smaller than corporate bonds as a general rule, which means... As interest rates go up, muni bond values are going to go down less than corporate bonds. They are less sensitive to interest rate increases than corporate bonds. Also, surprisingly, the highest rated municipal bonds are less sensitive than treasuries. Um, and there are a lot of complex reasons for that. But essentially what that means, and something I've been telling um, my subscribers for a while, is that some muni bonds are actually right now I think less risky than treasuries when you consider the um, the interest rates. Situation. Interesting. Yeah. Well, there's one more thing actually I should mention regarding closed end funds. When you have a market panic in bonds where you know interest rates are going up and everyone's freaking out, this happened back in 2013, and so everyone wants to sell bonds and want to sell, 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 sell. This is very, very bad if you hold an individual muni bond and you want to sell it. If you can hold it to maturity. It doesn't matter because you'll just get 100% right. of your principal. Back. Right. But let's say that you're a mutual fund manager 
with a bunch of muni bonds in your foster. Now, the problem is when people sell the mutual fund, you need to sell assets to give cash to your former investors. Closed-end funds are structured differently. So when a closed-end fund, uh, when someone's invested in a closed-end municipal bond fund and they want to sell, they're going to sell to someone else in the market. And that does not mean that the, the fund manager has to sell a single municipal bond. Mm-hmm. So what tends to happen during market panics is the closed-end fund NAV, the net asset value, will go down as a result of the new market pricing of the fund. But it's all unrealized losses because they don't actually have to sell any of these. With the mutual fund, they have to realize these losses. They essentially have to sell during a market cap. So the way to think about this, if you think about back in 2008, 2009, if you saw the market tanking and you panicked, you said, oh my God, the world's ending, I need to sell, and you sold, you were locking in a 60% loss. If you didn't, and you held till today, you'd be up. A mutual fund had no choice but to sell during that market panic. A closed-end fund um, manager did not. And that's one of the main reasons why um, I particularly like bond CEFs. Mm -hmm. They don't have to sell during market panics. And what they can actually do, if they have access to leverage or if they're getting a lot of uh, income, they can actually lower the dividend to shareholders, which looks bad in the short term. Right. But then they use that money to buy new issues, which is good in the long term, which is one of the reasons why um, a lot of muni bond funds went down last year. It was a great buying opportunity. I was very aggressive about recommending them. And then we saw them recover. And I think what we're going to see is we're going to see the income stream from these funds actually go up in the next few years as interest rates rise. So, it's, so that's really cool. Okay, so if when I listen to this, again, I'll understand it better, but trying to digest all that right on the spot, well, yeah, it was, it was a lot. But basically, in rising interest rates for VCF funds, we shouldn't be too concerned about it. Yeah, I mean, the, the short answer is it, no, you don't have to worry about it if you're planning on holding these funds for a couple of years or more. Right. Now, if you're aggressively trading them in the short term, which I do sometimes, you're going to have a different view. But if you're looking at this as an income vehicle, you know, you're basically saying, all right, I want to get a 5% income stream um, over the next three to five years. Um, actually, this, this sell-off during the interest rate hike cycle is a buying opportunity. But that doesn't mean to wait to buy these funds now, because a lot of that interest rate hike was priced into muni bonds, uh, muni bond funds last year, mm-hmm. which is why pretty much all the muni bond CEFs are up uh, for 2007. They're up about three to four percent on average. So that buying opportunity is kind of over now. It doesn't mean you can't buy now, but it means that uh, sort of worrying about interest rates is yeah. really playing 2016's game. So it looked like maybe last week or the week before there was a big sell-off in CEFs as a whole. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and um, so I saw some of my muni, my muni ones get, I wouldn't say get hit. I'm, like when I look at these, I'm, I'm looking at them for five plus year investments. So I doesn't, I don't really care. I'm, I'm doing it for the income stream. But what are like, what would, what would have caused like the sell-off in the CEFs in that particular case? And, and maybe um, what, what would also cause some of these CEFs to trade at discounts? So CEFs over-exaggerate market trends. Usually what happens with CEFs is that when when the market sells off, the CEFs sell off more. I mean, this is just because of the kinds of people who buy CEFs. They tend to be rather risk-averse retail investors. The recent sell-off wasn't just in muni bonds. It was all over the place. We saw this in stock funds. We saw this in corporate bond funds. And we also saw it, obviously, in the stock market. And the primary reason for all of the sell-off was uh, just market fear. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course, it started with the whole North Korea thing and uh, a lot of panic about uh, politics. But uh, the fact that the sell-off kind of recovered a little bit and then came back, um, you know, as we're uh, talking today, the market hasn't gone back to where it was, although it's, it's been improving to me really indicates that the market was really quite eager to do a sell-off and the North Korea thing was an excuse. And, um, you know, whenever there's a sell-off in the market, closed-end funds exaggerate that sell-off, which doesn't mean you need to avoid CEFs. It means you got to buy when everyone's panicking. 
and then uh, lock in that income stream and hold it and wait a few years. So I was taking a look at the recommendations that you had sent me going back a few weeks ago when I made my purchases of some CEFs. And I basically just looked at the analysis and data that you gave me. And I was looking around for some tools to look up what, what the discount is of these CEFs and what the historical discount is to be able to compare. Do you have any like favorite tools? I know you guys have a lot of internal intelligence and, and, and software that use to analyze these things. Are there any like good public tools that you like to use or is everything you guys use internal? Um, not everything we use is internal. Uh, most of it is. If you want to look at historical discounts and NAVs, um, you can get that information from ycharts.com, although you have to pay for it. Um, you can also get it from Yahoo Finance. Um, but really, I think what's most important is um, if you have an idea of what the discount is right now, and uh, you look at its long-term CAGR, its compound annualized... Uh, Cager. 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 Uh, <laughs> then, um, you know, the, the funds with the higher long-term annualized return tend to be better performers in the future. Uh, that's because that ha historical performance is a result of the quality of management. So there, there are really a number of funds out there that um, are quite good. I, but, you know, to answer your question, I think... If you look at uh, the data on Yahoo Finance and then go to the individual fund's um, website, look at their prospectus, uh, look at their historical returns, um, look at their dividends, when they've cut their dividend, by how much, if they give special dividends, that should give you a pretty good idea of whether this fund um, works for you or doesn't. One of the big things that turned me on to CEFs and specifically municipal bond funds, was when we started talking, we started talking about risk. And I was like, yeah, everyone's heard the Puerto Rico stories. I think people got yeah. wiped out and everything. But you made it seem like municipal bonds actually are very, very low risk. Yeah. Uh, and especially municipal bond funds are very low risk. Yeah. So there, there are two ways to think about risk. Um, now, the one risk that everyone panics about with bonds is default. So there's this idea out there that if a bond defaults, that means the individual investors get zero of their initial principal. They get wiped out and they're basically screwed. That almost never happens. Um, usually defaults, especially American issued municipal bonds, defaults involve a restructuring of assets. And what that generally means is that if you own a bond, you might not get paid on time. You might not get the interest payments on time, and they might not pay the principal on time if it defaults. Um, but you're still going to get most likely at least 80%, and in most cases, 100% of your original invested principal. It might take a bit of time, but you're going to get it. And that's only if there's a default. And um, Sam, do you know the default rates of muni bonds? Well, I, th I want to say that it's somewhere around of actual issues somewhere around 1%? No. It's less than 0.1%. Much less than 0.1%. And it's actually been going down. And and so that would even mean that less than 0.1%, it doesn't mean it's a total loss. It means that it's yeah it's liquidated, basically. Yeah, so let's say if you own every single municipal bond that's ever been issued, less than 0.1% of uh, the bonds that you've purchased defaulted. And of those you didn't lose 100% of your investment. Mm -hmm. You maybe lost, um, on average, 3 or 4% of that 0.1%. So we're talking about a microscopic amount. And again, that's extremely unlikely. But usually what happens is part of the problem is municipal bonds are intimately linked with politics. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is people like to invest with their politics, with their political beliefs, which... No matter what your political beliefs are, I think is always a bad idea. You need to look at the numbers, the data, the historical performance. A good example of this, I, I wrote about just a few days ago, an article that you know I, I guess we could link uh, to reader or to listeners. Sure will. I'm so used to read. Sure will. All right. Um, yeah, is it so, free? Uh, it's free. It's very. It's one hundred percent free. Um, I wrote about uh, about California muni bonds because uh, there's this interesting thing that's happened that. California muni bonds have gotten a triple A rating recently, which means that they're now considered safer than United States treasuries by ratings agencies. Seems crazy. Yeah. And the funny thing is, so I, you know, I've been following this stuff for years and I remember back in 2011, 
everyone was talking about how California was a train wreck. Its budget was in disarray. It was going bankrupt. It wasn't able to collect revenue. Arnold Schwarzenegger's Arnold governors and know governor. how to run a state or yeah. a business. All, all of this just total apocalyptic, nightmarish hellscape talk that is very, very common in, well, frankly, in politics and in a lot of the bad finance writing. But because muni bonds are usually invested by retail investors, not financial professionals, this kind of hellscape uh, rhetoric influences the market a lot. And so what happened was California munis were considered a very, very high-risk investment back then. And of course, now California has the highest rating possible. And many of the California funds, there's uh, one I write about in the article called CCA, the MFS uh, California Municipal Bond Fund. They're crushing the muni market. They're yielding 4 to 5%. They're up higher than the indexes. Um, and they're just absolutely killing it. And if you look over a long term, uh, if you look at these funds from back in 2011, you see how they've totally crushed the market, not despite those market fears, but because those market fears, because those market fears were not based in reality, and they created an absurd, irrational mispricing that the fund managers could take advantage of. This happens all the time with muni bonds. You're not going to get, you're not going to be able to take advantage of that with an index fund. You're not going to be able to take advantage of that if you buy an individual issue. The only way to do that is to get access to the best quality fund managers, and that's what a lot of these California uh, muni funds were able to do for investors. I feel bad because I've been sitting here sipping my rum and cola, and you've been talking. Do you need a... I, I need to have a drink. There you go. Well, I felt bad. You need a refill. Get this man a refill. I always need a refill. There we go. Power him up. I got a few more questions. As long as it's beer. <laughs> Give, I want beer. Give him the rum. Ale or... Ale. Ale? or ale? Ale. He wants an ale. Get the man an ale. the courage superior I I would love that. So you you mentioned you mentioned rating, and I'm wondering how important. Okay, if, if municipal bond defaults are historically so low, then what difference does the rating really truly make? Yeah. So the rating is actually really important. Not so much from defaults because that's what everyone. Uh, that's what everyone goes crazy over. But what's really important with the rating is a couple of things. If a rating is very high, there's a risk of the state or the municipality getting downgraded, uh, which will lower the value of that bond in the market um, and also will increase the interest rate that the municipality will have to pay for um, its debts in the future. Likewise, and this is really, again, where active management uh, earns their keep, if you have a bond that is rated poorly, but the municipality is actually in great financial health, there's an opportunity to buy those bonds, wait for the rating to get upgraded. The bonds will shoot up in value uh, while paying the same higher interest rate that they had to pay back when the uh, rating was lower. Again, this is what happened with California years ago. Um, at the moment, this is kind of happening with New Jersey. Um, I believe this is going to happen with Illinois. Nowadays, people are talking about Illinois the same way that they talked about California, that it's uh, it's a basket case, it's going to go bankrupt, blah, 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 um, which you know, frankly makes no sense. If you've, uh, if you've been to Chicago, you uh, know that Illinois has a <laughs> you, lot of industry. If you've been to Chicago, of- you've been shot at. <laughs> yeah, there's that too. But, but again, it's these political issues that have nothing to do with the actual financial health of the state that um, really is going to indicate its future performance. And, you know, we, you know, New Jersey is a great example. It's crime-ridden. It's corrupt as hell. Um, it's got a lot of problems. But New Jersey bonds have shot up in value over the last couple of years because of a lot of civil servants doing their job and improving the financial state of, of the state, uh, despite, you know, all of the uh, headlines from actual politicians. The same thing is going to happen with Illinois. The same thing happened with California years ago. It's common. So really, what do the ratings matter? The ratings really matter for the interest rate that the state's going to pay. And what managers very often do is they kind of play this game where they use their own tools to um, determine the true creditworthiness of the state. And they'll often know better than the ratings agencies. And then they can take advantage of that and essentially front-run the ratings agencies. Sip break. Okay, how about 
fees because I looked into some of these funds and the fees are like 1.5%. You know, they're okay. When you compare it to, say, a robo advisor, we talked about robo advisor, you're getting charged like 25 basis points. But again, this is an actively managed exactly fund, managed, right? Right. So if, when you're looking at the yield of these funds, let's just say a yield in one of my funds is actually, I think the yield in all of my funds is an average of 5%. Yeah. Would, would that be after fees or before fees? That's after fees. Okay. So, so that's, you, that's don't, you don't have to worry about your fees at all. The fees are taken out of the fund before it pays dividends. It's an entirely separate calculation. A lot of people worry about the fees. And it is true that these municipal bond fund fees are higher. So uh, muni bond CEFs uh, have around 1% to 2% of uh, fees in total, which also includes some um, interest expense. Um, whereas if you compare it to the index ETF MUB, it has a 0.4% um, expense ratio. So it is cheaper. But also, there are literally dozens upon dozens of funds that have beaten MUB um, over a multi-year period. And I'll actually, um, you know, we can get into it a bit. I have a few recommendations of some funds that have beaten MUB for a long time. MUB sucks, right? Yeah. Like I, mean, I looked at MUB and it's... It, the, the yield's low. It seems like what all the, okay, like what the robo-advisors buy. So it's got to be way oversaturated. Yeah, well, it's it's that way because it's only investment-grade bonds, um, and it's all of the bonds out there. So it's including the lowest yielding and the best yielding. It's not buying them at the most opportune time. It's just buying um, essentially a basket of the index yeah. in the same way that the S&P 500. But the difference is... Stocks are much, much more efficient than muni bonds because, again, muni bonds are controlled by a lot of gatekeepers. Stocks are not. So it's really, really easy to find a lot of muni funds that are crushing the MUB, um, uh, MUB fund and will continue to do so. <laughs> Our driver just uh, do another lap. Our driver just stopped in the middle of a busy street and... Bangkok got out of the car. Oh my god, he's dragging me out. No, I'm <laughs> I told him to go for half an hour more. Yeah, I was like, "What is he doing?" I knew this was a. Stop. All right, well let's 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 buy let's buy a CEF. All right, let's buy Uni Fund. Now, one one thing before we buy is, are, are these the type of things? You know my strategy, right? I want to buy these things. I don't want to trade them. I want to buy them. I want to fall asleep for ten years and get the the, the re regular distribution. You guys turn the arrow. Turn the arrow. Yeah, oh, the um, like, is there any is there any concern? Is there any? Fill up the beers, get some ice. For the yeah, ice in the drinks. No, no, don't turn the heat on. Funny guy. Tang. Shirts are coming off. It's getting warm in this car. The only limo. The only limo in Bangkok. The, the AC is not working, and it's middle of the summer. So we're gonna. And the driver's trying to kick us and out. And the driver's trying to kick us out on the streets. Okay. We're actually, can, we're actually at the bar. We're can, lose let's say like a PIMCO or an Invesco. Can you buy this thing and fall asleep for 10 years and, and basically not worry about it? Oh, if it's yeah. going to be managed? Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, I so I could show you tons of different muni bond funds that um, have had an annualized return of 5% or more. Um, you know, they of course, they go up and down in value over time, but... Um, again, a lot of these funds will have the same or even a higher market price than they did a decade ago. It's actually a lot easier to do with muni bonds than other kinds of CEFs. There are a lot of CEFs that um, you need to be a bit more proactive with, but with muni bond CEFs, there are tons that you can buy, keep for five years or longer, collect the dividend payments, and not have to worry about looking at your portfolio every day. All right, so what we're going to do, guys, Michael's going to give us a few recommendations based on recent statistics, data, and analysis that he's pulled over the day. And then we're going to go into a bar. I'm going to come back out, tether my Wi-Fi, get in these funds, and then Johnny and I are going to talk a little bit more in depth about the recommendations from Michael, why he recommended them, and why we chose whatever one we're going to invest in. So what would okay. be the, what would be the ones that you're recommending based on what you just looked up? So before I give these fund recommendations, I should probably stress I usually recommend buying funds before you go to the bar rather than after. <laughs> but Bangkok, you know, we're we're 12 hours away from New York time, so you know, you gotta, we you have gotta to do with what you got. Yeah, we got to work on the ST time, exactly. Which we're coming up on 
10 in the morning. We're behind the ball. So. Yeah, we are. All right, but uh, that's okay because uh, these funds are not terribly volatile, so we got time. All right. Um, the first one, I'm, I'm going to recommend three. And uh, as a disclosure, I own all of them, um, and I plan to uh, hold them for a very long time. The first one, uh, the ticker is NBO. NBO. I don't own that. NBO, yeah. Well, um, should soon. It's a New York fund, so it specializes in only uh, New York mutual funds. Um, it has a 10.8% discount to NAV at the moment. Wow. Which is a lot of a bigger discount than its historical average. Over the last 10 years, it's had a 4.4 uh, discount to NAV on average. So there's quite a bit of you know, capital gains upside if it reverts to the mean, as most funds do. The yield is a bit smaller because New York is so high quality these days, so its yield is 4.1%. Um, and the fund has had about a 4.8% uh, CAGR over the um, over the last decade. So it is a pretty reliable returner. Um, it, it's a great income vehicle. You're going to get that 4% very reliably, um, and you're not going to see the uh, nav of your fund go down um, really at all. You shouldn't um, for a long time. So that that's the first one I recommend, NBO. I have no idea what's going on behind me. No, I'll try to ignore it. Nothing, nothing. Reminds me of my oh, teaching days. <laughs> All right, second fund for those in the back uh, falling asleep. <laughs> so my, I wish I had a blackboard. My, you know, Michael is, used to be a professor. That's, a that's, the, professor. Joke. that's yeah, the joke. So, uh, it, that's the joke. That's why they call him the professor. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> this is far too familiar. It's uh, it's like I'm having nom flashbacks, but I'm in Bangkok. <laughs> uh, close enough. Anyway, uh, my second recommendation would be NXJ, which is a New Jersey specific fund. With a 13% discount to NAV at the moment, historically its discount is 9.5%. So a yeah, little little capital gains upside potential, but I wouldn't focus on that too much. The really cool thing about this is the CAGR, 6% over the last 10 years, a 6% per year Boom. over 10 years, and a 5.1% yield. And this is tax-free, um, at least on the federal level, but please do check your CPA. Florida, you Texas, baby. Yeah. Tax-free. All right. Uh, third recommendation is more diversified. It's uh, not specific to any one state. MHI, which, um, get this, it has a 7% discount to NAV. I actually own more of this than the other two. 7% uh, discount to NAV. Historically, it trades at a 1.9% premium to NAV. Wow. So over the last decade, it, it, it's more likely to trade it, um, at a higher price than it's NAV than a lower price. So you've got a good 9.6% capital gains upside whenever it reverts to the mean. On top of that, it's got the biggest, um, it's got the biggest uh, CAGR of my RECs here. It's got 5.4% annualized return over the last decade. And all these funds have um, more than a 10-year um, history behind them. So right. these are not fly-by-night funds. So would you take, okay, for me, would you take, let's say I'm going to make a large investment into these funds. Would I do all three or would you just do one, we'll throw it all in one? Uh, well, I've got all three. Um, I, I think it really depends on your income goals because, all right, so MHI's got a 5% yield. Uh, the other two... <laughs> NXJ's got 5.1%, MBO's got 4.77. So you could buy all three and get an average 5% yield, diversify yourself a bit. But, you know, if you held a gun to my head, oh my god, he's got a gun! <laughs> One. Uh, the uh, theater of the mind, I love right. podcasts. Um, yeah, if you had to choose one, I'd probably go with MHI because you've got a 7% discount. And, um, you know, it normally trades at a premium, and it's not just in one state. So if there's a sudden drama with Chris Christie or New York or whatever, yeah. you're going to be somewhat um, insulated. So, yeah, if I were to take just one, I'd probably go with MHI. I love it. Okay, well, this was a lot of fun. <laughs> professor, professor, CF professor, he's going back to his professor days teaching. There's bad kids in the back. Can I drink now? That aren't, that aren't paying attention. Students in the back. Did you do you remember the the C, the, the fund recommendation? It's be a quiz, by it the will way. be a quiz. Basically, don't follow politics. Yeah, don't follow don't politics. Follow okay, okay. Don't invest after bars, but before bars is fine. Do you have a publication you recommend for us to read? CEF Insider, okay. which there will be a link to in the uh, uh, in the comments. Um, it's our um, subscription service for uh, recommendations on closed end funds. Um, we are um, about to recommend another fund that yields seven point six percent. Uh, we have uh, about a dozen recommendations now, stock funds, bond funds, muni bond funds. We also tell you what funds to avoid. Um, a good example is um, 
um, I forgot the uh, ticker, PCK, um, which we warned uh, our readers against a while ago before it fell about 6% a day. So yeah, CEF cool. Insider. Check it out, guys. I've looked at it. I read it. It's amazing. If you guys are interested in CEFs, municipal bond funds, any of this stuff, Michael Foster is the man. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Sorry for the noise in the background, but you know what? Whenever we're in Bangkok, we got to do it big. We got to have some fun. Johnny, we miss you. Last time we were in Bangkok doing episodes, we are with you. And for everyone out there, I'll leave you with it. Turn some music on. Let's get it cranking, baby. Yay! Let's get it cranking. <laughs> that must have been the best transition music ever. That wasn't post-edited in. That was you guys live at the limo. You know what? That wasn't even planned. It, like That song was not on. And... Literally, when we're like, turn up the music, that song just happened to be playing. And it was <laughs> when I heard it, we heard the episode. I was like, oh, man, that's perfect to take us out. That was so perfect. I, I really enjoyed that. And like, it, I almost yeah. kind of felt like I was there with you guys. That's good. Well, you know, we missed you, buddy. We wish you were there. And, and I'll tell you what, that I, I honestly do feel like that episode would have been really boring if we didn't dress it up. But, man, Michael, is he's a smart dude. There's no doubt. Like, he... I listened to the episode once already and there's just some tangents that he went on that I'm like just trying to digest everything while he's on it. But super smart guy and I think extremely practical information. Yeah. And you know what? At first, honestly, I was like, this is going to be a terrible idea. <laughs> Driving around with the street noises, glasses clinking, you know, you guys getting drunk in the limo. But it actually, you know, it, big props to you, Sam, <laughs> for your vision. <laughs> Kept it together. Well, we got to mix it up every now and then. Got to get back to our roots, you know, how this episode started over or this podcast started over a couple of bottles of wine and some curiosity. Yeah, I like it. And what's funny is while you guys were in that limo recording, I was at a party at some crazy like Russian mansion here in, in Ukraine with mm-hmm. a bunch of people with way too much money and way too little foresight on what to do with it. Seems like the best type of parties. Yeah, yeah, it was it was in, in, insane. I like I cannot even describe how insane it is. I, I think if you guys look at my Instagram feed, you, you'll see some of the insanity. But I think maybe that would have been interesting if I pulled out my my phone to record as well. <laughs> we'll have to line up a few more episodes like that in the future. So, well, man, I don't know. Like I I'm super excited about municipal bonds again. Even after that that episode, it's uh, I think the way that that Michael views CFs. And the way that he trades them, just from the little bit I've studied, what he does and reading CF Insider, it makes so much sense. And I think if anyone really dives into this for a few hours a week and makes it something that they constantly stay up on, like I really do feel like you can you can apply this. Like anyone can learn this stuff, apply it, follow some of the advice and and make a lot of, you know, make money basically with returns. Yeah, I mean Honestly, it's it's almost kind of like I don't want to say the opposite of what the Boggleheads preach and what um what the kind of buy and hold Vanguard strategy is because in mm-hmm. this specific case, buying and hold Vanguard funds would be a terrible idea, or at least not 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 a terrible idea, but just uh, it wouldn't be as lucrative of a plan. And mm-hmm. honestly, when I first heard you guys mention um, the Vanguard fund, which is what MU. Or something. I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe I'll just get that one and not think too much about it. Let me just end this episode here. I'll just buy the Vanguard because that's always the best. And thank goodness I listened to the whole recording because then I realized that that wouldn't have been the best idea. Well, you and I do own that Vanguard fund just in small amounts through our Wealthfront accounts. So I think the entire, like depending on your risk tolerance on say Wealthfront, I think you're a 10, I'm maybe like an eight. They're going to put you in more municipal bonds, and I, I believe it all goes through that MUB fund. But I looked into it. It, pay, it yields like 2.2% or something, right? With a lot of these CFs. So now I, after this episode, I did what I said I was going to do, went to the bar, went, got back in the limo, and I loaded up on one of the funds. It was MHI. Again, disclosure, do not recommend doing this stuff after a bar, but this stuff is is relatively low risk, especially if you have a, a five year, ten year window like I do. I'm curious, but what did you load up on in the bar? Uh, that I don't remember, but I loaded up on MHI Pioneer Municipal High Trust Fund <laughs> after the bar. Um, so yeah, and then 
yesterday I picked up the other two funds as well. So now I have a total of eight CEF municipal bond funds. And, you know, just going back to the trading strategy, I think if you and I went into this stuff without, okay, let's just say like how I would used to pick like a Vanguard fund when I first bought Vanguard funds, I would just look at them and see they're on an upward trend and be like, oh, this is a good one. I'm a, you know, this is just layman speaking. But this strategy, we're buying them at historical discounts of their discounts, these, these closed end funds. It's something that I think if a layman looked at it, they'd be like, oh, no, 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 no. This is heading in the wrong direction. Stay clear away from this one. Let's go buy the opposite. Let's buy mm-hmm. one that's trading at a premium and it's got an upward trend. But that's, that's not how you know, Michael's doing it here. And the way that, uh, the way that I bought these, these eight funds, I'm up on all of them. Uh, so I can, I can definitely see the, the beauty in swing trading them if you're buying them uh, the way that he's teaching you how to buy them basically at historical discounts. But even if you buy them for a long-term strategy like me, I think you know any time over the next 10 years, you have a good chance of being up because you're buying it at such a significant discount to its nap. Yeah, I, I think that's really cool. If you guys don't understand what buying the discount is, listen to episode 63 of the Invest Like a Boss podcast where it was talking CEFs. Talking CEFs. Yeah, I like it. And you know, honestly, even, even after listening to the episode, even after knowing a little bit about this in the background – when I was just kind of looking up MHI, first it was it was hard to find. It's not like you know you can just basically you could type in VTI into Google and it'll show you the graph right away. You know you can see the five year or ten year chart. You can see what it opens at, what it costs. You can see the dividend yield. It's you know one point nine two. But when you type in like MHI, it's like you get you get nothing. You have to like dig. And even when you finally get to a chart, you know like let's say you go to the Yahoo chart or something. It's confusing, and you're like, "What is going on? Like, what? Like, what is this? It, it doesn't even really say, you know, like what the yield is or anything." And it wasn't until I found cefconnect.com, and I don't know if yeah. he, if he like yeah. recommends this or not, but that's finally when I was like, "Okay, now I can actually see what the premium discount is, what the distribution rate is, and things like that." Cool. Yeah, I'm glad you found that. That's what I've been using as well. We'll leave a link to that in the show notes, um, and and that kind of that gives some of the high level metrics that we talked about, and like you just mentioned for kind of a quick glance. But this is, I mean, this is cool, right? Because we're talking, I used to hear this from this guy, Ben, who sold a couple of businesses. He's definitely more of like your boring style investor. So it was never even fun, like chatting with him about investing. But he used to say, yeah, I invest in municipal bond funds through CEFs and I make, you know, four and a half, five percent a year. And I'm like, wow, that, that seems good, but that doesn't seem like easy. Like you can't just go to sleep. But I really feel like, you these funds you can make four and a half five percent and there's not going to be too much volatility and if you're just doing it for the income stream or you want to swing trade them uh like cf insider teach you how to i think it's great and five percent tax-free man that's that's a good chunk of change right that's like you know someone that's like in your income bracket johnny it'd be like making eight percent uh taxable right so and eight percent by most people's standards is, is pretty damn good yeah and actually i really like how michael always talks about what the you know like what the fund you know what the percentage is after fees and because mm-hmm. that that really would be the the downside of any kind of municipal bond versus um like a ETF is the fees are higher but if it's 5% after fees then I don't really care what the fees are as long as I am happy with the 5% yeah i thought that was that was well pointed cuz i maybe the first 50 episodes of this this podcast we we're learning about how Fees are the devil, and I, I mean, I still do think so in a lot of in a lot of ways. But that was another that was a good way to look at the fees. I mean, this is something that you're basically paying them to manage all this stuff and to get the best picks of these municipal bond uh, issues as possible. So this is a much more active uh, type of fund versus paying a financial advisor to essentially put you in. You know, you pay a financial advisor one one and a half percent to put you in a passive uh, a passive uh, index portfolio of sorts, which doesn't make sense. Of course, we know that now. But man, this was this was a good episode. I, I love talking to Michael. I think he's he's a super, super smart guy. I could talk to him for hours. I love the fact that he used to be an actual professor. There was that, that one bit that got me cracking up in the episode. He was, he was like eyeballing over his shoulders. Like, what are, what are, these, what are these kids doing behind my back? <laughs> you could hear like the actual professor in him come out of it. I'm actually super surprised. Good guy really smart. I like that Brian and Tang were so quiet during the episode, <laughs> like especially because they were drinking and you guys were driving around. 
Yeah, well, it's, it was a really small limo, man. It looked pretty big in the photo, but once you got five good-sized guys in there, um, it, it filled up really quickly. So if anyone is looking to do a, a limo in Bangkok, I wouldn't recommend it. Do something else. There's only like one limo in all of Bangkok, and the AC is kind of busted, and um, you're just stuck in traffic the whole time. But <laughs> it was just more for the fun of it, so that's that's what it was. I love it. Well, it's it's good that you got, you always change it up. Um, so as far as what we're personally gonna do, so it sounds like you you put a a good chunk of your your money into uh, these bonds. I could see in your your position why you would do that. I mean, it's you know it's one of those things where you've been looking for a tax free way to get five percent. I think mm-hmm. for for me, I am a lot more. Risky right now. I think this is something I'm, I'm glad that I know about now because it's good to know what my, my plan is going to be down the road. And I think mm-hmm. when I actually retire, you know, whether that's 65 or whatever age it is, and I don't want the, the market swings ups and ups and downs, I can see myself putting, you know, 80, 90% of my money into something like a mini bond. Yeah. So I think this is basically what MJ DeMarco is doing. Uh, and it's a, it's what a few of my wealthy friends are doing now that I know how to talk about it more. I'm learning more about what they're doing. But I, I guess that, like one thing for people out there to consider is historically the market has paid back, uh, has returned 8%, let's just say over the last 100 years, right? Mm-hmm. If So if you're making 8% in the market, but that's taxable at, let's just say, bet- between uh, 15% and 25%, depending on, on what those gains are from, then it's really like making 5% tax free. So I, I, I don't know. And like someone like Med Faber is probably, would probably know this stuff off the top of his head. Like you say, okay, if I put all of my, my money in municipal bond CEFs for the last 50 years versus, I don't even know if CEFs were around that long, but let's just say versus the S&P 500 after taxes, what would, what would return more? I think that would be really interesting because I don't know if there would be a, a huge difference. Yeah. Okay. That make, definitely makes sense. You know, and, and I'm, I am curious about that. I, I'm glad I have so many years to even think about this before because I, I think one of the worst mistakes we can make is just almost kind of putting off thinking about the future because we don't want to stress ourselves by thinking about the next step. Mm-hmm. Um, I just logged into my wealth phone account to take a look at what percentage my, my missile bond allocation is. And because I, I've set my my risk level at the highest allowed. It's only four point seven percent. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I think mine's eight percent, and and I'm on eight. So I bet if you if you went to like a four or three on the risk tolerance, you might get up into like the twenty, thirty, forty percent. Yep. And it looks like uh, the three funds that I'm invested in is TFI, which is State Street Barclays Capital Muni, MUB, uh, which is iShares S and P. Uh, something uni and a Vanguard one, the VTEB, which is Vanguard's S and P National Muni. Cool. Well, I bet if you look up all those, the the yield on those will be no more than three percent. Probably, probably high ones like one point eight, one point nine, on up to three. Um, but as Michael said, the MUB is because it's all top level investment grade stuff. Uh, but you know, the CEFs that I'm in, the average fund right now that I'm in for municipal bonds is 5%. So that's, that's a much, much healthier yield than, uh, when talking 2%. Well, the Vanguard one, I just took a look. It's 1.89. Oh, <laughs> spot on the money, baby. Oh, you're look good. At, you're good. I'm a good student, right? Yeah. Yeah. CF professor will be very pleased. I, I, cr- I crushed the quiz. But the, uh, MUB, it looks like it's 4.16, which is great. No way. Yeah. No way. Really? Yeah, but that says uh, total return as of yeah. Well, year to date is four point one six. I don't I don't know what the history of that Maybe is. That, is that yield or is that a? Uh, let's see. It says that, total that might be as well. That says total returns. I don't know what that means. Year to date total even, returns. I think I looked at that before and it was like yielding like two point two percent. And I'm like, ah, oh, nah, I'm not I'm not investing in something for two point two percent. Yeah, but. Well. Yeah, year uh, year to date, I think that's I think that's total returns. That would be that would be some increase in the actual share price as well. Okay, well, it could be, but yep. I mean, for now, I'm gonna p- stick this in the back of my head, and I think a lot of people who are listening to this podcast who are under, let's say, under fifty, maybe under forty five, you probably end up sticking this in the back of your head as well. But if any of you guys come into a big windfall, I think if you are a 
if you're a sports player or you just, you know, sold a company and you just, you know, fell into a bunch of money and you wanted a relatively safe way to get, you know, a guaranteed four or five percent, mm-hmm. I, I would say listen, we listen to this episode and definitely check out mini bonds. Or if you're over, you know, 55 and you want something kind of safe, definitely check this out. But for the rest of us, I would say it's probably still a better idea to, uh, go with something else that could potentially have a higher risk, higher return. Good stuff. And if anyone is interested more in CFs or specifically municipal bond CFs, take a look at the CF Insider. That's a publication put out by Michael and his team. It's amazing stuff. Uh, we'll leave links to all that stuff in the show notes. Be sure to check it out. And um, if anyone's into this stuff, CEF specifically, write us. Let us know how it's going. Let us know your strategy. We'd love to hear. I like it. And big thank you to everyone who's been leaving these great reviews. Uh, this week we have BRWJNDJ. <laughs> says great info, five stars. Awesome work, guys. I love it. And for everyone who doesn't have an Apple device or iTunes, just leave a review anywhere. Just let us know where you left it. I'd actually be very curious where you can leave reviews for podcasts. So if anyone knows, please let, you know, reach out to us. Give us a shout or make a post in the Boss Lounge on Facebook. Also, big thank you to our sponsor, FreshBooks. If any of you want to collect your monthly invoices and get paid on time and have an easy way to expense your business expenses like renting a limo in Bangkok, <laughs> then <laughs> it is business. It yeah, is business and buying popping bottles of a uh, of Blue Label Johnny Walker. Go to got to drink something to stay alive. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know definitely is a business expense <laughs> to some people. Um, go to freshbooks.com/slash/invest. And thanks again to our great guests, and see all of you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the Best Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at investlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment folios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.